This is the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Welcome to this month's podcast. I want to take you into something I learned over 15 years ago uh, from Gerald Brooks, and it's the four seasons of a minister's or a leader's life. Now, when Gerald taught this 15 years ago when I heard it, it's one of those, those things you hear that just absolutely seem to just stick to you. And, and it, it literally changed the way I process my life and my ministry and the seasons of life. So I want, first I want to encourage every one of you to subscribe to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. And Brooks is B-R-O-O-K-S. And please subscribe to this podcast. It's absolutely gold. Now, there's a reason why at this time I want to reteach this. Now, I've shared this in different settings I think the last time was probably five or six years, maybe maybe even longer. But I see that where we're at as a, as a nation and as the church, that this is more relevant than at any time, not only in my life, but in the life of the church of the body of Christ. So let me take you into what Gerald calls the four seasons of a leader's life. And the first is faithfulness. The second is giftedness. The third is ownership. And the fourth is stewardship. Now, this month, I'm going to cover simply and specifically the faithfulness season. The next month, I'll go through giftedness, ownership, and stewardship. Now, because here's the reality, because if we don't pass the ongoing faithfulness test, the rest of the seasons are absolutely irrelevant. And here's the other reality. We don't get to skip a season. Uh, I remember I grew up under the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. Something he said that the Lord said to him, which was profound. He said to him that most ministers live and die and never even enter the first phase of the ministry to which I've called them. And so it tells me as I get older and as I look at the seasons of life, how rare it is for people to go from season to season. Gerald gave some statistics on successfully entering and leaving these seasons. Let me give them to you. The first is the faithfulness season, which we're going to center on today. 70% of people in God's kingdom don't make it through this season. Then the giftedness season, and we'll define these last three uh, in next month's podcast. 50% don't make it through this season. The ownership season of ministry and and leadership, 50% of those who make it to there don't make it through. And then the stewardship season of ministry, 10% finish this season. Let me just give you the numbers. That's saying if a thousand people are are in front of us today that are called to lead or called to ministry or both, that out of those that get out of the faithfulness season, it whittles you down to 300. Those who get through the giftedness season, it's down to 150. Those who get through the ownership season is down to 75. And those who complete the stewardship season out of 1,000 people will be eight. So the odds are not in your favor and they're not in mine, but that's not going to be up to God. That's going to be up to me and you. So let's talk first about the season of faithfulness. About 60 to 70% of what I'm going to share with you are statements that I heard Gerald say that have morphed into my own understanding through the years. So I don't know where Gerald begins and I end, but, but I want to make certain to encourage you to, 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 to open yourself up to every resource that Gerald Brooks has available to you. So let's talk about the season of faithfulness. Now, here's what I know about this season. It is longer than we think it is. Secondly, 
it is more important than we think it is. Now, why is that? Because the faithfulness season is your foundation. The foundation of anyone's life or a building or a structure determines the capacity of that structure or the size of that structure. In building churches through the years and structures, what I learned about the foundation is that the strength of the foundation determined how many stories on the building we could have. So if the foundation could support four stories, you could build four. But you could actually put four stories on a foundation designed to build one. But the, but the actual structure would ultimately collapse. The, the season of faithfulness, which is something we must do the, all of our lives, but it's usually that, that entry-level uh, decade of your 20s to 30s that it's so critically important. And it is a requirement no matter what we think. Now, how we handle this season is going to determine the health and the outcome of the rest of your life, the rest of your, your, if you will, your ministry or leadership or work for God. Because you will not go into your following seasons with the proper strength, the proper foundation. It's very similar to a baby that's been born prematurely. Think of a baby born three months prematurely. They have all their body parts, but they're underdeveloped. And so they struggle until they are able to develop. And sometimes they have to spend years getting back to where they should have been at birth. So here's the fact. Remember, most people, 70%, never make it through this season. And here's some of the reasons. One of the main reasons is this. They see God's timing as too slow for them. And they go into ministry with deep false expectations or leadership. Now, this has only been exasperated through the years. This has only gotten more difficult for people through the years with Facebook and Instagram and all the other nonsense that's out there is that people develop false expectations. I'm seeing those in their 20s developing expectations that God's word does not meet. And, and when you expect something, I believe Sam, Samuel Chan said this, the distance between what you expect and what's reality can only be filled with disappointment. And so the reason many people don't make it through the faithfulness season is that their expectations are not in line with what God's word says will occur in that season. And then they get terribly disappointed and then they try to move into something else in their life. In the faithfulness season, as throughout our life, but more so in, in this season, people will deeply disappoint you. And you have to learn how to move past the choices of other people in life, in ministry, and in leadership. And then finally, problems discourage us. You know, the younger you are, the more entry level you are into your, your life's work or your calling, if you will, or leading, or even calling in ministry. We think the arc of our problems changing is much quicker than it really is. Because, and in fact, some of our problems even have to do with our design and our makeup. And you can't change those things. And so at the foundational level of ministry, it's when our dreams or our vision, that is what we feel called to do, will exceed our faithfulness or what we're able to do. Because God will put things in your heart, even while you're a child, even in adolescence. But when you begin to start to serve and act upon your calling or act upon, if you will, the direction, the general direction God has called you to live in and to go in your life to serve him and others, 
the dream of the vision of your heart will exceed your faithfulness or, or your capacity. And so like Moses, we'll take ministry into our own hands. Moses tried to fulfill his calling with his own strength. It cost him 40 years. And so often we'll try to initiate the dream or vision for God, even the, that the Lord has for our life. And we'll try to do that in our own timing. So here's the question that you have to answer in the faithfulness season. Can you live with God's clock instead of yours? This season is longer than you think it is. And it will require more of you than you think it is. What I know from having built multiple buildings is that foundations end up in the mud and the dirt. And eventually they get completely covered up. But if they're not there, everything that you build upon it is going to collapse someday. And here's the reality of those who are called to ministry and those who are called to lead in a godly manner. These aren't careers, they're callings. Remember this, you choose a job, a calling chooses you. You choose a job, but a calling chooses you. And there are tests in the faithfulness season of life, and they are common to everybody. And I want to talk to you just briefly about a few of those tests. The first one is the money test. Will you serve where there's little or no money? Or do you require money or your expectations to being met to serve? One of the greatest difficulties I've seen in those in their 20s is they expect to be able to live and act and receive remuneration or, 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 or if you will, income based on something that isn't in their life yet. They feel like, well, I, I've done this for X amount of days or years, so I deserve this. We deserve nothing in, in, in ministry Every, or in Christianity. Everything we have is a gift. But the question and the money test, very, so many people can't pass it because they try, they put themselves on a timeline. I should be making this by now. I should have that by now. Not realizing that when you serve, you serve God. You're serving a calling. You are not the Lord of your life as a believer. He is. That's why Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be honest, dishonest with much. Now listen, he defines what very little is. Verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling money, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy, listen now, with someone else's property, we could say it this way, someone else's calling or vision. Who will give you property of your own? He's talking about God here. He's saying, if I can't trust you with money, if money becomes what you love and what you give your allegiance to and what you follow and serve, then I won't be able to trust you with the true riches. The true riches in God's eyes are not, it's certainly not money. I mean, God doesn't need money. The true riches in God's eyes are people. The Bible calls them, the scripture calls them people, the precious fruit of the earth. Those who know God and those that don't know God. Jesus died for a world without him. And in the, and in the faithfulness season, you have to pass the money test. You have to be willing to serve where it doesn't feel right. And, and one of the greatest tests to this generation 
is that they've learned to ask their feelings for permission instead of asking God for permission. They need to feel something in order to do it. But the reality of it is when you serve him, when you pass the money test, you, you stay put because you're being, listen, faithful, faithful. It is so critical. The second test in the faithfulness season, and, and these tests are ongoing forever, but these are foundational tests that we have to pass, is, that, is the serving test. Will you keep your hand to the plow, as Jesus said, or will you turn back and quit? Will you keep your hand to what God has asked you to do, or will you quit? When it gets difficult, when people have disappointed you, when it's less than ideal, you know, I found that we all have imperfect areas in which to work. And it's very easy to look around you and to find the flaws in your organization, in your church, in those above you in leadership. But you really don't want that gift to work so well around you. You really want that gift to work really well for you. You want to ask the serving question for yourself. Because what you'll end up doing, and, 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 won't, and won't pass the faithful in the season, is that you will find other people to blame for how you feel, blame for why you choose what you choose, and it will move you past the call of God. Scripture is full of people who were asked to do things in seasons of their life that they didn't understand, in conditions that they didn't understand, and they were developed in those seasons in ways that they wouldn't have chosen. Joseph was trained to be the prime minister of a nation, but it didn't start when he was given the job. It started with a dream. Then it, then, it, then it was developed in a pit and then as a slave in Potiphar's house and then in a jail cell where he was unjustly put. All of those environments were places where God developed his gifting and Joseph remained faithful to his calling even when nothing made sense. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says this, and it's so important. Moreover, it is required, please hear that word, it is required in stewards that they be found faithful. It is a requirement in God. It is a requirement in ministry. It is a requirement as a leader that you be found faithful. Not the concept of faithfulness, but to be when you're discovered, when you're seen, when you're asked to do, that you are found faithful. Joseph was found faithful when he stepped into the courts of Pharaoh. He didn't discover faithfulness there. Getting there was the outcome of his faithfulness. One of the things that I remember when I was young and in Bible school that is, is pretty remarkable when I think about it is a statement that Kenneth Hagin made. At the time, being in my 20s, I honestly didn't understand it. But looking back, it makes so much sense. And here's because all of us are trying to find out what's God's will for our life. All of us are trying to discover, hey, what has God called me to do in this next season of my life? And it usually was something grandiose, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But he said this over and over again. And this is so important. He said these words, it's more important how you serve in the faithfulness season than where you serve. I want to say that again. It is more important how you serve in the faithfulness season 
than where you serve. I would even add what you do is less important than how you do it, because how you do it reveals the character that is born and built in the heart of the servant of God during the faithfulness season. Here's the third one. Now, Gerald didn't mention this. Now, you may not know Gerald Brooks, but he's one of the most extremely thorough people I've ever met in my life. And what I'm about to mention to you wasn't on his radar 15 years ago because it really wasn't that relevant to the, to the young believer, the young Christian entering into, into ministry and into leadership. And it's, can you pass the truth test? Can you pass the truth test? In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, not a truth, the truth. I am the, the life. No one, now listen to the exclusivity. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, the truth test is one that is very difficult to pass today. Because in the culture in which we live, a generation is being raised with asinine statements such as, what is your truth? Which is just such an, an incredibly asinine statement to make. There is no such thing as my truth and your truth. Now, the culture will tell you this. How you feel is your truth. What you have experienced is your truth. Now, if people mean by my truth, my experience, fine. But that's not what they mean. What they mean is, how I perceive life is my truth. Therefore, it is as valid as any other decision. And that is a load of garbage. Culture has made this, this primary belief into the heart of people. And as a Christian leader, as a Christian who's endeavoring to either enter ministry and serve God effectively, in this season, you're going to have to decide, is, will you pass the truth test? Because for a Christian, my truth is a person who never changes, Jesus. He is the truth. God's view is the truth. And there are no options to it. In fact, the scripture says it is impossible for God to change. So my truth is not a view, a feeling. My truth is a person. Jesus was the word made flesh. Every word from God is the truth. Jesus was the truth made flesh, and God never changes. So in the culture in which you live today, are you going to be able to hold to the truth while being grace-filled toward people? Or are you going to buckle and, you, and everyone else's, quote, truth will affect the way you see God in essence? For a Christian today to satisfy the culture, you're going to have to bow your knees and serve the God they make up. You're going to have to serve a false God, the one of their own making, the one that will die with their final breath. So you have to choose truth and you have to learn to live based on what God said, not based on what you hear, what you see. And by the way, what may cause you to be persecuted. Now, please, please don't mishear this. Remember, Jesus was full of truth and grace because grace, grace without truth, Truth is meaningless, but truth without grace is just mean. I don't know who said that, but it's a great statement. So are you going to pass the truth test? Sexuality, gender, just fill in the blank. What is the truth? That's what God says. 
and someone else's truth is based on the God they've made up. And I would suggest to you as a Christian, it's really unwise to follow a, a false God. So can we pass the truth test? So let me just go to some takeaway lessons from the season of faithfulness. And next month, we're gonna cover the next three. Here's the first one. You don't get to skip a season. You don't get to skip this season. And there, here's the second point. There is a, there's always continuing education. No matter how long you live as a Christian, being faithful is required. But I'm talking today as a foundational issue that if you don't get this built in your life as the way in which you govern, the way you live, the way you think, and the way you move, in him, the scripture said in Acts 17, I live. In him, I move. In him, I have my being. The third takeaway lesson is this. Remember, the odds are against you. 70% of people don't make it through this season. 50% don't make it through the giftedness stage. 50% of those don't make it through the ownership stage. And only 10% of people get through what we're going to define as the stewardship phase. Those following three will define, the last three will define next month. Remember this. Here's your takeaway lesson number four. On your staff or with those with whom you work, those around you, those above you and under you or beside you in an organization, that there are always going to be people on those first three levels. That's really important. So let's not expect somebody to be something they're not yet developed to be. Be gracious to people. Be kind to people. Help people develop. Be a, an addition and not a subtraction to them. Here's the fifth takeaway. God's perspective on these is simple. The first one is this. God sees if you are willing and if you are even able to do the job. And that's the faithfulness season. Are you willing to do what it takes? The second is God gives you the tools to do your job, the giftedness phase. The third, can you take responsibility for the job, the ownership phase? And then the final, you help others do the job, that's the stewardship phase. And lastly, in our takeaway, is that leadership is easily defined by these seasons. Character is where is developed in the faithfulness stage. Competency is developed in the giftedness season. Commitment is developed in the ownership season. And calling is developed in the stewardship season. As you can tell that all of these things are interchangeable at every season of our life. But I'm referring to the specific seasons that Gerald Brooks so, so artfully defined. And as I look back as a 60-year-old man over my life, over my ministry, these callings and these seasons of our calling are so easily and clearly delineated. Please remember that you don't get to skip a season.